No, we never, I know we don't. We don't, we don't really for, ever forget what God's done for us. Sometimes we get so busy that it seems like uh, what he's done for us is way far away, like it happened so long ago. But, but sometimes you just get hit with that feeling again that, oh, I just love you, Lord. It just comes back. It's just like my wife and I talk about now over almost 26 years of marriage. You know, we say, you know, I, I love you now more than I loved you when I met you, when we got engaged and got married. It's, you don't understand that starting out, but you will if you ever get in that relationship and it just grows. You'll realize that as time goes on, you just find a new reason. All of a sudden, you just look over and see that person and think, man, well, I just love you more than I ever have. And that's the way it is, I think, sometimes in prayer or just in worship and the Lord just touches you and you think, well, I just love you more than I ever did, Lord. I just love you more than I ever did. I'm thankful for the, lo- the love of God that he had toward us. And I'm thankful that we can reciprocate that love back to him and just feel the blessings of the Lord today. We start a new uh, series today, the DNA of a disciple. Now, February is the, the, the love month, you know, that's for all these folks that get into Valentine's Day and things. And uh, of course, we have an anniversary, so that's, we get the double shot for, for this month. But, uh, you know, that, this is where every store you go into, you see all the teddy bears and the chocolates and the hearts. And, and like, isn't it funny the things we use to express love toward one another? I'm thankful that God showed his love for us when he gave his life. But this, uh, this series will deal with the importance of love in a disciple's life. This is discipleship class. Guess what? You can't be a disciple without love. It won't happen, and we'll, we'll just give you scripture for that in a moment. But uh, today we're going to talk about the DNA of a disciple, the priority of love priority of love. So let me read a couple of scriptures and then let, I'll let you be seated in 1 Corinthians 13, which is Paul's uh, chapter on love. I heard Brother Arnold say one time, he said, when I study this chapter, he said, sometimes I wonder if I'm saved at all because it will uh, convict you and challenge you and uh, make you take a long, hard look at yourself to see, am I doing the things that the Lord wants me to do as his disciple. So Paul, a great man of God, says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. And so we're going to learn about the priority of love. Let's pray for the lesson. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for that wonderful, matchless love. Help us today to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. God, let us begin to love one another even as you loved us. And Lord, we're going to praise you for it today. It's going to make us better. It's going to make us stronger. And we're going to be able to do what you designed the church to do when we learn how to love. 
Lord, today bless the preaching and teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap and a shout of praise. If there's anything you want to be thankful for today, it's the love of God. Glory to God. You can be seated this morning. Thank you. Thank you today. So the priority of love, because love is the defining trait. If you had to pick one word that would define um, the Christian walk, the Christian faith, it would have to be love. Because we wouldn't be anything without Him. And the Scripture says God is love. The Bible says that uh, you know, we ought to love one another. Uh, Paul said, I've preached the Scripture on Wednesday night, but the life that I now live uh, in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This whole movement is rooted and grounded in love. For God so loved the world that he gave. If there's any one scripture really that overall uh, the Christian faith could quote, it would be John 3.16. And the entirety of that is about the love of God and that the love of God gives. And so I want to make sure today that I have the love of God. It will help me to be a giver, a giver of what God has given me. The scripture says that we have freely received let us freely give. Isn't it be awful to have knowledge of how to uh, make it to heaven, how to be born again, how to live your best life on this earth, and then just keep it to yourself? That's something that'll, that'll get on you right there. Knowing that I could show someone, point to them in Scripture, that I could tell them this is what it takes to be saved, this is what the Savior did for you, but keeping that to myself... And that's like withholding food from a starving person. That would be like running up on somebody in the desert who had been without water for seven days and just driving on by while you just chugging yours. Well, God gave us something to share. Love is a priority for the Christian, for the Christian faith. And we need to make sure that we are following uh, in the footsteps of, uh, of the Lord and loving people as he loved us. Paul, I think of him as such a great man as we all do in the scripture, but uh, when he writes these words, when he's, you, you think, man, he's got great revelation. He, man, he, he, his scriptures, the things he writes, his letters are so, you know, just power-packed and full of so many things that teach us and help us and bless us. But he said, I could have all of that and not have love, and I would be nothing. I could teach you, but if I don't have love, it would mean nothing. Uh, I could pray for you, but if I don't have love, it would mean nothing, because faith, the Scripture says, faith worketh by love. And so when he says, uh, not only uh, am I nothing, he said, uh, if I were to just, you know, some people are really big on, on, on just doing good deeds, so that they could, uh, you know, they do it they, so maybe they can feel good about themselves. I don't know. They don't, they don't do it out of uh, wanting to really uh, be good-hearted sometimes. They just do it just to, to, well, I just like people to see that I'm doing something good. That's a fact. If you don't believe me, just look on Facebook because people will take pictures of every good deed they do. Well, that's the truth. 
But he said, I could do all of that. And he said, man, and you're, you're like, well I, well, I blessed him with a meal. And the other said, but Paul said, I could do that, but it would profit me nothing. It won't uh, add anything to my account. It's not going to, uh, if I'm doing it for recognition and pats on the back, it don't mean anything. But if I do these things because I love my brother, if I love my sister, if I love my neighbor, if I love this world the way that the Lord loves this world, now I'm in line with him. You know, there's a, a story in the scripture, there's a narrative here in our lesson about uh, the Good Samaritan, and it describes that, that day as a parable, of course, that the Lord taught. But this narrative just kind of gives you a picture of maybe what was going on. And uh, I'm just gonna, I, I was going to just kind of mix it up and go with it, but I think I'm just going to read it just as they have it because it's actually really good. It says of the traveler, he was a nameless and faceless man. There's no description of his race, his background, or his character. All we know is that he was a traveler on a journey. We don't know his desired destination or his intentions when he arrived. Maybe they were noble, maybe they weren't, we don't know. The narrator gives very little detail except that during the journey he experienced a nightmare. From the shadows and unexpectedly the vicious attack ensued. Perhaps he defended himself, a futile attempt at self-preservation. Maybe he ran from the attack hoping to escape the inevitable for he was one among many. Whether his response was fight or flight, the outcome was rather predictable. He went from a man on a mission to a victim of circumstance. He had been a traveler with his eyes fixed on a singular destination, but suddenly he found himself a victim with a battered body, swollen eyes, straining just to catch a glimpse of survival. Lying in the shame of his nakedness, wounded and left alone, the teller of the tale described him as being half dead. Half dead, half alive, half gone, half remaining, half empty, half full. All are in the eyes of the beholder. And there he lay, half dead. Then he passed, then he passed by. He was a certain priest, a man of God, a man of principle. He was a man who was to represent God to God's chosen people. And for whatsoever reason, busyness, preoccupation, not wanting to be defiled or assuming that this man was hopeless, he passed by on the other side. Perhaps he thought if he didn't get too close to the half-dead, he wouldn't have to grasp the dire reality of the need for inconvenience and care. Then another he came by. This man was a priest assistant, a Levite, decided to meander by close enough to catch a glimpse of this battered traveler. Perhaps their eyes met, the wide eyes of the gawker meeting the swollen and desperate eyes of the bruised. The fully alive decided the half-dead was not worth the inconvenience. Then yet another uh, man passed by, the naked, wounded, and half-dead traveler. In that moment, that man, a Samaritan, displayed what was a part of his character. The narrator simply states that he had compassion. The translator added the words on him in an attempt at clarity, but Jesus, the original teller of this tale, simply stated the Samaritan had compassion. Apparently, compassion was a part of his character, and because he had compassion, he acted accordingly. His compassionate nature prompted him to choose a path of inconvenience, self-sacrifice, financial loss, and extreme care for another. His personal journey was halted and put on hold so he could 
help another, listen, this is important, help another find his way back to a healthy journey of his own. Brother, that's what it's all about, that we would help someone, someone find their way back to a healthy journey of their own. The Bible talks of us having a word of reconciliation, having a ministry of reconciliation, tells us that have compassion on some, making a difference. Let me tell you, there is nothing better that you can do than love someone, but I'm not just talking about, oh, you're so, I know, hey, I know, I know you're homeless, I know you're starving, I love you. It's got to be more than just the words of our mouth. It's got to be the actions of our life. We have got to live our life in love. The Bible tells me not to love in word only, but to also love in my deeds. And so I need to make sure today that I have understood something, that uh, God is love, and if I belong to Him, I'm going to mirror Him. I'm going to love. But God didn't just say, hey, I just want all y'all to know I love you. He did something about it. When He saw that there was a, a, something going on in our lives that we could not fix, when we could not wash the sin out of our lives, when we could not get better, when we could not defeat the enemy on our own, because He loved us, He died for us. He came, walked among us, talked about mercy, talked about grace, had compassion, healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, fed the poor, went to those that were sick, went to those that nobody else wanted. He didn't just stand around and holler out from the mountaintop, I love you, but he went down into the depths of the valley. He went in the back alleys. He went in the rooms. He went wherever they were, and he loved them, and he restored them, and he blessed them, and it changed their lives forever. And this man, Samaritan, it was in his character. Let me tell you, when it's your character, it doesn't matter who's looking or who's not looking, you're going to do what's in your character. And these other guys that were so religious and, and so uh, high and lifted up, they were not going to be bothered with this man that was beat up, broken, and almost dead. But this guy, he, he just stopped everything he was doing simply so he could have compassion on this man and change his life. No doubt this man could have laid there and died if nobody would have stopped, but this man stopped to, to help him. Now, uh, to be a disciple, since we're talking about discipleship, if I'm going to be a disciple, to be a disciple is to become like the one I am following. If you're a disciple of somebody, then you are following them. You're following their ways, their teachings, uh, their beliefs, what they, what they say. And, and I believe everything that Jesus said, and I agree with everything that Jesus did, and I'm doing my best to follow him and mirror him. Paul said uh, to one group, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So uh, I, I want to make sure I am following the Lord. If I'm ever going to be a leader of somebody, I've got to have somebody lead me. Because guess what? I don't know the way. I'm following the one that knows the way. Yeah. By myself, I'll be lost. By yourself, you'll be lost. But uh, he is the way, and that's why we're following him. He's the way. He's the way to uh, get to heaven, but he's also the way to live your life. He's also the way to treat other people. Hello? Yes, sir. He's the way. Oh, he's the way to, to raise the dead. That's right. 
He's the way to heal the sick. Sure he is. But friend, let me tell you, he is the way to reach the world. Come on now. He's the door. Yeah, he's the bread of life. He's the great physician. He's the great shepherd. He's the lover of my soul. He's the Lamb of God. Come on, he's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And he's more than just the way to financial blessing. He's more than just the way to speaking in other tongues. But let me tell you, he is the way to reach this world. When he said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Let me tell you, there's there's something that's more important to him than whether or not my bank account's fat. Hey, what am I doing for others? Praise God. I think it was, and I know I'll quote it wrong, but I think it was was, uh, Dr. King that made a a quote that said, uh, one of life's most pressing and urgent questions is, what are we doing for others? Well, I think that just lines right up with what the Lord expects of the church. What are we doing for others? I know that self-preservation is a big thing in humanity. That's our flesh. But the Lord gives us a way to get around our flesh. He gives us a way to have another kind of thinking. We get the mind of Christ, and then we start seeing people as he sees people. And now suddenly people are not an inconvenience. And their situations are not troubling or bothersome to me. I, I want to see people succeed. I want to see them get better. I want to see them get off drugs. I want to see them get their families back together. I want to see them, I want to see them have a good job. I want to see them do all the great things in life, but I want them to be okay. I want them to be well. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be stable. I want them to be uh, encouraged. I want them to have uh, you know, some confidence in their life. And if I can help somebody in that aspect, if I can help, maybe they don't need food for money, but maybe they need somebody to just say, hey, you're going to make it, and I'm going to pray with you and pray for you, and I'm going to be here to help you. Two are better than one, and I'm going to make sure that you are never walking alone. We can't let people just die by the side of the road on their own. Man, I tell you, years ago, years ago, they used to have... Sunday school drives and, and things like that where it was like uh, you know, they'd give out Bibles to people who ever brought the most people that month and things like that and, and just trying to get people into the church. Well, maybe we need to start doing something like that again. So that, uh, that, that, don't raise your hand or anything, but you ask yourself, did I invite anybody to church this week? Just think about it. Have I invited anybody to church this year? Think about it. And just and if and if you if you're thinking I don't think I have well then fix that start asking people to come to church with you hey you want to meet for coffee sure okay drink your coffee while you're drinking coffee invite them to church we invite them to coffee to dinner to go off shopping go on vacation we invite people everywhere we go go and play golf want to go hunting want to go fishing sure that's fine hey you gonna come watch the game that's great how about invite them somewhere that'll change their life. How about invite them to a place where they can feel the love of God? Because let me tell you, we need more than just the entertainment of this world to survive. We need, we need the church. We need the body. We need the bride. We need one another. And we need to get about the Father's business of reaching souls of the Great Commission. It, the Great Commission has, has been snowed under by having great services and great church. But the Great Commission is invite somebody to the house of God. Tell somebody about Jesus. Tell them about the love of God. 
That's a priority for everyone that wants to be a disciple. Oh, let me tell you something. Love never fails. And if you want a church to grow, it better have some love or it's going to fail. A church without love, it ain't, gonna be, it ain't nothing more than your school or your job. But a house of God that's full of people with the love of God. Now you got something's going on. You're going to see a place where people are getting better. You're going to see a place where people's lives are being changed. You're going to start seeing signs and wonders and miracles. Hey, you're going to start feeling better about yourself when you finally open up and and start loving people. Hey, there ain't nothing better. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well, we received that love, but it's, oh, and that's great. And you think, how could anything be better than that? Well, just love somebody. Just love them. Man, I'm telling you, find somebody that's broken down and tell them about the love of God. And when you see them responding to that love of God, man, you're going to have a feeling come over you. You're going to be like, man, this must be what Jesus felt like. And you're going to be right. That's exactly what he felt like because that spirit of Christ that's in you is like, finally, we're doing what I came here to do. I walked around on this earth for 33 and a half years uh, showing them what to do. Now they're getting it. Now somebody's actually using this spirit for more than flipping around on the floor and talking in tongues. Now they're finally using this spirit to break down some walls and help some people. Hey, if it'll, if it'll help my infirmities, it'll help their infirmity. The Lord give me a spirit that could lead me in truth. It'll lead them in truth. And if it'll help my infirmities, it'll help their infirmities. Uh, he gave me that power, uh, that, that nature of him when I was filled with his spirit. And guess what? I need to use that nature. I need to use what he gave me. So I want to follow him. And so as we have seen in this story, this was a parable. And the telling of the parable of the Good Samaritan is not just the Lord sitting around, hey, I'm a good storyteller. Let me tell you a neat story. It was actually this account of unfortunate loss and pain. It was a response to the selfish religion versus selfless humanity. There was a man who came to the Lord and he wanted to justify himself and wanted to know, uh, you know what's the greatest commandment, Lord? And, and uh, so the Lord said, well, How You read the law, how do you read it? What's it say? And he said, well, I need to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and and my neighbor as myself. And Jesus said, that's right, you've answered right. Well, then he wants to justify himself because he's got an idea about what he thinks it means to love. And so this story is actually an answer to the question because the man said to Jesus, said, well, then who is my neighbor? Who exactly am I supposed to love? And then the Lord begins to tell uh, this uh, parable showing uh, that uh, we need to love our neighbor. And our neighbor may be somebody that uh, we don't even have associations with. It may be somebody that is hurt and desperate. It's going to be somebody in need. In his response, Jesus demonstrated that to be fully obedient to the law meant to be fully obedient to the principle of God's nature, which is love. If I'm going to really follow him like I'm supposed to, then I'm going to love people. And it's going to be more than me just saying I love you, but it's going to be being there. 
It's going to mean taking time, going out of my way, maybe being inconvenienced with, you know, I may have to uh, put off some plans or do something to be there, but you know, we, we've got to say, well, I've got to have me time, me time. You know, I tell you, we're going to have a lot of me time when we get to heaven. You won't have to pray for nobody once you get there. You don't have to visit no hospitals when you get there. You don't have to feed no homeless when you get there. When you get there, it'll be you time. It'll be your time and the Lord's time and eternity. Uh, down here, I want to wear myself out for Him. I want to have a greater burden and, and more passion and then more compassion for the lost. Uh, you know, preaching and pastoring sometimes, I can get so focused in on feeding the sheep that I forget sometimes that there's others out there. Lord, help me not to do that. Let me remember that we need to be reaching outside these four walls. We don't need to just have good church in here and, and, and just stuff the saints and the saints sitting around fat and happy and not doing nothing. But we need to be out in the highways and in the hedges compelling somebody. We need to get the blind. We need to get the lame. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that were well. He said, those that are well, they don't need a physician. He said, those that are sick. I didn't come to, to say, seek and save the righteous. I came to seek and save the lost. I came to find uh, those that are struggling, those that feel like nobody else wants them, those that society has thrown away, and those are the ones that I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to get them and let them see that God loves them anyway because he does. And if we're going to be true to the law of God, and you say, law, I'm not in the law, man. That's Moses. I'm Listen, this is New Testament. I'm talking about the law of God. And he said, if we're going to be true to the law, we must be true to the nature of the God of the law. And God's premier attribute is love. If you've got to think, you know, first word, you know, we might say, he's holy, he's righteous, he's all those things. But number one, he's love. Right off the bat, he's love. God is love. And then the reason that you know that that's number one, because when Paul began to describe the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And then everything else flows out of that. Everything that the Spirit is, and God is that Spirit, flows from love. Number one, He's love. Sure, He's holy, He's righteous, He's good, He's merciful, He's kind, He's long-suffering, all those things. But before any of that, love. Because the rest of it don't mean nothing without love. In telling this parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus demonstrated that neither religious position nor religious activity are the hallmarks of discipleship. The Samaritan was more of a disciple than the priest or the Levite. In fact, by putting these uh, priest, Levite, and Samaritan side by side, the compassionate person in the story, the Samaritan, Jesus shattered all the religious stereotypes of that day. To his Jewish, Jewish audience, his message could not have been clearer. To be a true disciple and follower of the law, which they loved, one must have a compassionate and merciful other-mindedness because without it, neither title nor religiosity can fulfill the ultimate demand of the law of God and the nature of the lawgiver, which is love. The Apostle John would later write uh, this statement in this regarding this in uh, John, 1 John 4 and 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But if that won't make you check yourself, 
Oh, I know a lot. Well, I know God. I've, I've seen him work. I've been in his presence. I felt him. Oh, I've been filled with his spirit. I've, I've, I've read his word and I've been in church and I've been faithful. He that loveth not knoweth not God. There's a difference in knowing about him and knowing him. That knowing him, there's an intimacy there. Uh, I, I, know, I know his ways. I know how he acts because I act like him. You know how I know that's the way God acts? Because I act like him. Uh, you know how I know God's love? Because I love people. That's what you, that's what, when you're in that, that frame of mind, when you know God, you love people because uh, you can't. There's no way. Well, I, can, I can do it. No, you can't because you can't break that scripture. I can't break that scripture. Hey, ain't nobody, ain't nobody, you can't get educated enough. You can't get enough Bible degrees. You can't uh, study enough. You can't preach enough. You can't do nothing enough to break that scripture. He that loveth not knoweth not God. He can quote scripture. He knows about God, but he don't know him because he's not acting like him. Because if you're not loving people, you're not acting like God. Well, some people say, well, I want to just act like God when he was opening up the ground and swallowing people up. Yeah, there's some people like that. I don't be like God when he was just uh, slaying folks. Well, them people was enemies. Is that all you got in this world is enemies? Well, guess what? If it is, hey, I got a word for you. The Lord said, love your enemy. Oh, yeah. All I got is enemies. I got a word for that. Love your enemy. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Oh, they make me mad. Pray for them. Oh, they... Irritate me. Love them. Yeah. I shouldn't have to. I'd love to see you tell Jesus that. I shouldn't have to love them. Where did I find you again? What was you just doing last weekend? What if I said I shouldn't have to love them? But he can't be nothing but what he is. God's going to be God. He said, I'm the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Lord. I change not. Oh, I got to love. I've got to love them. Don't care who they are. I've got to love them. So God's love is not a feeling. We can feel it, but it's not just a feeling. It's an action. There's a further lesson in this parable that highlights a recurring theme in the teachings of Jesus. The fact is that love is not about feeling, but it is about doing. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, I have a new commandment that I'm going to give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He reclassified love from a noun that is feeling-based to a verb that is action-based. The newness of the command was, by, was taking love to this new level. Discipleship love has little to do with liking other people and everything to do with acting toward them in the same gracious and merciful way that Jesus does to everybody. But I don't like them, so what? (laughs) Jesus didn't ask you if you liked them. He said, go love them. His is a sacrificial love of action. And listen, regardless of of the worthiness of the object of the action. Regardless of the worthiness of the object or the person of the action. There was no 
Good Samaritan didn't walk over and say, oh, oh no, I thought he was somebody else. Nah. He didn't look and try to assess, well, half dead, probably won't make it, not worth my time. He didn't assess the man and, and then, hmm, let me see what I should do. He just went to him. If that man had died on the ride to the inn, he did his best to help him. It wasn't about what I think, it's about what I'm supposed to do. It ain't about what I feel right now, it's about what I'm supposed to do. And so he's hurting, he's wounded, he ain't got nobody, he needs somebody. And he saw this man and he had compassion on him. He didn't say that he recognized him to be somebody famous or he recognized him to be somebody he knew or that he recognized him as a family member. He just saw somebody beaten, broken, and ruined and half dead. And he said, I've got a remedy for that. He didn't ask somebody else, hey, why don't y'all come do this? He took his own stuff and, and, and applied it to this man to fix him. That's what loving people is all about. Oh, my goodness. I know that we pray for power. And I know we pray for miracles. And I know we pray for revival. But honey, let me tell you that none of that will mean nothing without the love of God. I don't want just a week or two of explosion and then nothing really profiting. Nobody's lives really being changed. We get shook, but we're not changed. We get the chill bumps, but it don't move us. We, we even come to the altar and cry and pray, but nothing happens because there's no love in the room. But honey, if we would say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to stop praying for all these miracles, and I'm just going to start praying for what energizes those miracles. I'm going to start praying for a baptism of love. Saturate my mind. Saturate my heart. Saturate my spirit. Fill me with the love of God. Because if, if you get full of the love of God, let me tell you, there ain't nothing that you can't do to help somebody. If you get the love of God in your life, let me tell you, you don't have to worry about it. The Bible says, uh, well, you know, when you got the love of God in your life, you're going to be pleasing to God. And the Bible says, if a man's ways please the Lord, well, then he'll make his enemies to be at peace with him. won't be so hard to love them people. <laughs> you know, them that you was calling enemies, all of a sudden, hey, they're my best friend. Yeah, we go to church together. Shouldn't have no enemies in church, no way. Yeah, I'll say that again. You shouldn't have no enemies in church. No way. Shouldn't be nobody in this room you can't walk across the room and talk to. Hello. Well, that's the truth. That's the truth. And so we've got to love each other. The Good Samaritan acted simply because he had compassion. He already had that, and then he put it into action. It wasn't just a feeling, oh, I feel so bad for that guy. i got to get going. No, he saw him and it moved him. And so it wasn't just a feeling, it was a state of his being. He could not help but actively demonstrate love to this broken man where the priest and Levite could just pass by somebody who they felt no obligation to help. The Samaritan was compelled by that compassion and mercy to act. Let me tell you, if you really got the Holy Ghost and you really got the love of God, you can't just turn your, you, you'll have to forcefully turn your back on somebody because that Holy Ghost will be trying to twist you. Oh, no, and you're just trying not to look. Like, come on, come on, you got to get over him. 
And you, I mean, you will have to literally quench the spirit. And the Bible tells us not to quench the spirit. Because when you quench the spirit, you're on your own. Now you're acting in your flesh. Don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. That'll help you to stay out of sin and all kind of mess. But it'll also help you to love people. When you start looking at people going, they got what they deserved. Quench the spirit. But when you go, that's so pitiful. God, help them. And, and what can I do to help them? And right now, God, in your name, bless them and touch them and lift them up. You start praying for them and interceding for them. Now, that's, you know, compassion's got you. And you couldn't help but pray. Great. Got what you deserve. Let me tell you something. As people who did not get what we deserved, we should never turn around and make that statement to anybody else. Yeah, that's the truth. I did not get what I deserved because of the love of God. How dare I ever say they got what they deserved. They may have reaped what they sowed. Let me tell you, don't ever look at somebody and go, got what you deserve. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd be in prisons, hospitals, clinics, graves. Yeah, yeah. But that love changed us, didn't it? It changed us. Love is the foundation, and it is the basis of knowing God. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church uh, in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love. We always talk about being rooted and grounded in truth. We need truth. But he said you need to be rooted and grounded in love, that you will be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So the grounding or foundation of a disciple is love. Without it, a disciple is unable. You can't comprehend the various dimensions of God. Paul desired for the Ephesians to know the love of Christ so they could be filled with all the fullness of God. The goal of every one of us as disciples is to find completeness in God. The Bible says we are complete in Him. That's what we want So love, sacrificial and active, is the key to discovering the fullness of God. And so Jesus' life and his ministry were reflections of the priority of God's love. God's love prompted him to give Jesus Christ as the Savior of this world. A pivotal statement of Jesus regarding himself demonstrates the active and sacrificial nature of God's love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's a big word, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is no indication of worth given to the recipient. Whosoever. Rich, poor, sober, drunk, straight, gay, hello, well, sick, Republican, Democrat, black, white, yeah, red, yellow, mohawk, skinhead, yeah, whosoever, 
Yeah. He didn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all the good-looking rich people, all the educated, all the, um, all the people of the United States, yeah, the Lord ain't American. He ain't American. <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, I know it's right. It's the truth. Praise God. No indication of worth given to the recipients of God's gift. Simply stated, God so loved, or in this way, God loved. That's the way God did it. Not trying to decide who to give, just whosoever. 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 I'm talking about, I'm talking about thieves and drunkards and murderers and rapists. Yeah. All those, those people that we don't, that, ooh, yeah, them. The people that you go, them, yeah. That's who. And guess what? Oh, when we get that love. Oh, now, hey, listen, you won't be popular with people because they want you to, you know, all, all your Republican friends want you to hate the Democrats, and all the Democrat friends want you to hate the Republicans. I mean, and you're like, I love everybody. What? Well, you just go right ahead and love them, hippie. I'm just going on. You know what? No. You know, you, you'll, get, you'll get unfriended. You'll get banned you'll get, or blocked or whatever it is. You know, because you, know, you won't join in and go, that's right. Because you're not spewing and spitting and sputtering venom at them. You're just loving them. Oh, I don't agree with it, maybe. But I still love them. I'd love to see them saved. Well, hey, let me go ahead. I'm, I don't know. I might tune you out if I say it. I ain't going to say it. Nope. I'm not going to say it. The Holy Ghost said, just stop right there, Bubba. <laughs> Only so much people can handle it. Just be, be careful. Be careful. Praise God. I'll just say it like this. Without saying any name, it, ain't nobody I don't want to see saved. Just say it like that. Ain't nobody I don't want to see saved. So Paul would later echo the same truth about John 3.16 and Romans 5 and 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, sinners, sinners. The word, you say it enough, it really don't seem so bad. But when you start thinking about, when you open that package and you start thinking about what's in there, all kind of, it's everything that God hates. In other words, while we were everything that God hates, while we were doing everything that God is against, he died for us. While we were his enemies, he showed sacrificial love. The very thing that Jesus asked his disciples to do, love their enemies, he did it. And Jesus modeled love by living out what he was not just appointed, but anointed to do. Jesus was begotten and anointed for a purpose, and that purpose was to live out and demonstrate God's love for those whom society had marginalized and shunned. Jesus described why the Spirit was upon him in Luke 4 and 18. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. The Spirit of God rests on us. 
He filled us with it. It rests on us, and it rests on those who will do what God has anointed them to do. Guess what? That's why he gave you and I the Holy Ghost, so that we could uh, reach those like he was trying to reach. In his case, he preached, healed, and liberated the unlikely. Well, they probably will never get right anyway. How you know? How you know? Honey, you better come on to the music. Because I'm, I'm about to run down. Run, run down. The doctrine of, of the apostles taught the early church was founded on striving to reflect Jesus' love. There should be no mistaking the priority of the early church. Of course, love should be among, those, among our brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely, in Romans 12 and 10, we are instructed to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. But in Paul's closing remarks to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 13 and 11, he outlined how to attract the God of love to be with them. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Furthermore, there was a warning given to the Galatian church to avoid selfishness into which the liberty found in Christ can devolve. Uh, he said in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law, this is big, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's all fulfilled. The greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one was love your neighbor. But he said all the law is fulfilled in, in the second one. Because if you're doing the second one, it's a given you're doing the first one. You can't do the second one. So it's fulfilled. The greatest commandment is to love him first foremost with everything you've got the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself that's the fulfilling because once you start loving people uh, as yourself you're going to start loving people the way God loves people and and that shows that you love God with all your heart mind soul and strength that's where the fulfilling comes in stand with me uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not done but I gotta fin I just gotta quit Romans 13 and 8 I think I gave you this scripture, sis. I didn't give you Romans 13 and 8. I'm sorry. I thought I wrote that up there. But he said that we should owe no man anything but to love one another. And he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. So again, that just backs up what, what he just said. I want to do everything that the Lord, I really want to make sure I'm doing all that the Lord wants me to do. Well, there you go. Owe no man anything but to love him. Love him. And when you love people, you have fulfilled. What's our word for this year? Ain't no way to fulfill without love. That, that won't be nothing but a word on a screen if we don't have the love of God. Because you ain't going to fulfill nothing that God wants done without the love of God. You can't build a church. You can't have a ministry. You can't preach. You can't sing. You can't teach. You can't witness. You can't do nothing that will profit. Paul said it. It won't profit anything without love. I'm thankful for the love of God today. 
We've got to make love a priority, church. It's got to be first and foremost. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord. Touch us today and baptize us with His love once again. Let us feel the love of God in our heart today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, God. We love you because you first loved us. It was a priority. Lord, let us make that love toward others a priority. Lord, let us search you out, God, and find your ways. Let us seek you with our whole heart, God. And Lord, let us learn to love our brothers and sisters. But more than that, outside of these four walls, let us love the people of this world, those that are lost, those that are backslid, those that are, are, are just enemies of God. Let us love them, Lord, because love never fails and love makes a difference. Praise God. Praise God. Bless us now, Lord, with that love in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That love makes a difference. The Bible says love will cover a multitude of sin. When you love people, you can see, you can just get, you can get over a lot when you love people. You ever seen somebody say, you know, I just don't know how they put up with that because they love people. I just couldn't let them, I couldn't, I couldn't let them do that to me. I, I just, I couldn't, you know, well, it's just because they love people. It's not, they're not trying to be no way. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're just trying to live up to what God wants them to be. And so they love people. So they're always reaching out a hand. Oh, I can't do that for so many times. How many times has Jesus reached it out to us? So I, I'm just going to keep on. It might get slapped. It might get hit. <laughs> it might get chewed off. I'm just... Lord, heal it, and I'll reach it out again. Because he's always reaching for you and me. we got to reach for others, too. God bless you. Thank you for being in this lesson today. Uh, we're going to have a great service. Brother Doug Smith will be preaching for us here in just a little bit. And a kids' choir singing today. Going to be some great stuff in this next service. So let's find a place to pray and get ready to see the Lord move. God bless you.